Welcome to Love Bites. Love Bites. Love Bites. By Dr. Tara, your destination for sexual wellness and mindful relationship advice. Hope you're having an orgasmic day. Hi, my loves. The Love Bites by Dr. Tara podcast has officially finished its first season. The longest season ever. I'm so proud of all 103 episodes we have done. So if you just tuned in now, please check out my previous episodes. They're all juicy, educational, and so real. Love Bites podcast will be taking a quickie break. But don't worry, we'll be back with a bang in October to start spicy season 2. Love you. Bye. This is Let's Get Vulnerable featuring Love Bites by Dr. Tara. Woo! All right. Welcome, everyone, to a very special episode of the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. This is a collab episode with the one and only Dr. Tara from Love Bites. Welcome. Let's Get Vulnerable featuring Love Bites by Dr. Tara. We are so excited. We've met on Zoom. This is our first time meeting in person. Yeah, it's kind of like a blind date. But then I've always (laughs) known I was attracted to Morgan. (laughs) Well, we always have had such good energy together even yeah. on our one zoom call it was like hey let's hang out yeah 100 so. i was like mm, i need a britney spears in my life it's morgan <laughs> <laughs> i love it so much i appreciate all the knowledge about attachment styles and you being the attachment expert the authority of this topic i feel like i can just learn a lot more on that topic from you so i really appreciate that Oh my gosh. And same for you when it comes to sex. And what I love about you and your brand is let's make sex fun. Yeah. Let's make it enjoyable. Nothing is taboo. We could talk about it. If there's ever a time where I'm like, oh, you know, maybe things are off or I need to spice things up, I can just go to your <laughs> social media and it's just fun. Yeah. It just brings us energy. It's and the it best. Just goes, lick that beep or suck <laughs> <Yes>. that beep <laughs> or play with her beep. <laughs> You know, we need more of that in the world. And I know, I think if you haven't listened to our episode from back in the day, you should go back and listen to it. But actually for the audience that's just meeting you, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into this work? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Tara. I'm the sexpert. And I got into this work because ultimately I've always been curious and interested in sex and just different sexual acts as a person. I remember when I was young, which was in Bangkok, Thailand. Like that's where I I remember I would, you know, try to like watch porn at home. But because I'm older, when I was young, it was like dial-up internet. Mm -hmm. And like, I was just always curious. I don't know. Were you curious when you were like 11? Were you like... I was. I think, I mean, I was, I went to Catholic middle school. Same. I I was like very, okay. Catholic school. Okay. Mine wasn't all girls, but still, I think the message around sex, it was just very taboo. Yeah. My friends have this theory that like everyone that went to Catholic school turns out to be very sex positive. Yes. We just have to like figure out on our own. (laughs) But yeah. So fast forward, I came to America. I did my master's and PhD in human communication, but I've always studied relationships relationships, as well as like sexual attitudes and sexual satisfaction. I started my job as a 
tenure track professor at Cal State Fullerton, and I teach sexual communication. And when I started teaching sexual communication at Cal State Fullerton, my students have always been like, Dr. Tara, you're so funny. You should have social media. And so that was when I also started my private practice in sex coaching and started my social media and podcast. And here I am. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And you were recently on the show. That's right. Celebs Go Dating. Celebrity sex expert. That's right. UK's hit reality TV called Celebs Go Dating. Oh my gosh. Everyone go check it out. I've only seen clips, but it looks so fun. I can't wait to watch it all. It's hilarious. It's <laughs> really, that's the main purpose of the show. It's like you watch it and you just laugh. It's perfect. Funny. I love it. I what love about it. you? Share a little bit about you. I know that the people listening that are from Let's Get Vulnerable know you, but I feel like maybe they could get a little bit of refresher. My story was growing up, I really didn't have any good models for what a healthy relationship was. And I had a lot of my own childhood experiences where I developed fear of abandonment and just a lot of unhealthy patterns in relationships. And I would always see people in good relationships that think, how do they do it? I just don't get how to have a healthy relationship. And then actually I was getting my doctorate in clinical psychology in my second year, and I ended up dating a narcissist for a year and a half. Oh, man. Yes. That's such a journey because, again, like a lot of narcissists <clears throat> are really good at sex. And, and what I love to point out about that is I was studying clinical psychology. Like this can happen to anyone. I knew what a narcissist would act like. I knew all the things, but they are so good at what they do. It can happen to anyone. You know, I, I work with women who are doctors, lawyers, etc. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are. But but anyway, so I got in that relationship. And then when that relationship ended, it was just my rock bottom moment. I was completely isolated from friends and family. And I had zero self-worth. And I just had to decide, okay, I need to heal. Mm-hmm. I cannot keep doing this. It was one of those moments, you know, yeah. it's like this has to change. Mm-hmm. And that's when I threw myself into attachment theory research. And I really started to understand what was required for a healthy relationship and embarked on my own healing journey. And now I've helped over 500 women at this point Ooh. do the same thing. I love that. Uh, that's amazing. Thank you. Because you know what? Like, attachment and how securely attached you are to your lover or partner is so important in sex as well. Yes, it is. Yeah. I should send basically all my clients to you and (laughs) learn attachment first. See me later for some kinky stuff. (laughs) You know what I love about this? Because I know we're going to dive into this today, but just the idea that when we are securely attached, it really frees us up for more fun, for more play. You're just, you're more willing to experiment when you have that secure base. I would say that's absolutely right because I, prior to the current relationship that I'm in, and we've been together three years, but we've been married just this past January. Prior to this relationship, I was not secure. And so the other things, the feeling of freedom or even, you know, having an orgasm and all those things, it was really hard. Like it's work. It's really hard. When I've worked on myself to feel more secure, now being playful and kinky in my relationship is easy. 
right? Yes. So you got to have that basis. Like when you're more secure, it is 100% easier in other aspects of the relationship. Easier to communicate your desires, easier yes. to introduce like new kinky things, easier to communicate about taboo topics. It, it, it really is like the basis of a good relationship. Yeah. And I was thinking about too how you were just in the UK. Mm -hmm. And even that is like a real world example of, you know, you're off doing your thing independent. And I don't know if your partner went with you, but just the idea of you get to be who you are in your career, not be afraid mm -hmm. to explore in those ways too, right? It shows up in every area of life. Every area of life. And you know, I got to credit his open-mindedness and understanding and empathy a lot because I was with someone who was not comfortable with me sharing about our sex life to the mm. public. But now with my current husband, like I literally talk about like his butthole on TV, you know, on national TV. <laughs> and he's cool with that because he's secure. And he's like, that's cool, it. Tara. Like, go live your life. Like, tell him. You tell him. And <laughs> that is really, is so refreshing for me. Um, yes. Now that I've, like, worked on myself, my sexual confidence, my basically feeling secure within myself, like, I'm a free woman. And yes. I want to do what I want to do. As long as it's, I know it's not hurting you. Yes. So when I communicate uh, that, like, hey, I want to start telling people, you know, all these things that we do so that I live by example I lead by example and I'm not just one of those people that talk about sex theoretically that don't have good sex wow so powerful big that... fan of people who like live what they teach yes and I look up to those people you know I, I admire agree. those people I admire you thank right? you right like telling your story I don't admire people who you know have a whatever doctorate in whatever but don't live the life it's so true it yeah. has to be in alignment. Yeah. Like, you can talk about anything theoretically. Yeah. Like, do you live that life? Do I aspire to have similar life as yours or happiness or way of thinking? Are right? you modeling it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's so much there in what you said. I'm like, we could just, we could dissect it all. I mean, yeah. one of the things I love that you shared was working on yourself and then also having a partner, too, that wants to work with you. I mean, basically, both of those are required. I think some people, maybe they they do realize they need to work on themselves, but then maybe they don't have the partner that wants to work with them. Mm -hmm. And maybe they don't have the partner that wants to work on themselves. Mm -hmm. what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how important is it us taking ownership versus coming together as a couple and working on things too? I think it's 50-50. Yeah. I think you really need to work on yourself, but you also can do much better with a partner that does too. Because yeah, your previous relationship, it sounds like you maybe had some awareness and like he was maybe wasn't ready to meet you where you right. were at. 100% because I started to notice that I wasn't sexually satisfied. I feel like we could work on this and this. But whenever I like mention working on it, um, he would like be very defensive and mm. he would get like, what would be a good example? Like shut down. Yeah. Yeah. But not in an angry way. He's like a really just as a person, he's a wonderful man. But when we're together and when I suggest anything regarding like relationship development and enhancement, um, he'll be like, what's wrong with now? 
Mm. We're happy. We're healthy. We have a great relationship. What's wrong with it now? Ooh, that's okay. hard, isn't it? When your that partner is. is like not evolving with you. Yes, because growth is so attractive for one, right? 100%. I love people who are open to learning and growing. Yes. Because I am too. I right. don't know anything. You tell me. Right. Yeah. Like learning and growing. And then if you're not, you can just get stagnant. Mm -hmm. You just can feel kind of shut down. Right. What about you? What do you think about people who are listening, who are now aware and who are working on themselves, but their partner was like my ex? was like mm. in denial or like refuse to look into this or work on themselves in terms of like attachment. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a challenging position to be in because we only can, you know, have ownership over ourselves. We can really, really love someone. And at the same time, if they're not open to growth and they're not open to working on things, it's really hard to remain in that relationship. I think so you're saying just break up, <laughs> dump them, dump them. <laughs> I think ultimately, here's what I love in securely attached relationships where you communicate your needs, you show up, you are assertive, you say, this is what needs to be different for me. You give the person the opportunity to grow with you and then you gather the data and then if there is not change, then you leave. Mm -hmm. I think too often people are not expressing their needs. Mm -hmm. They're not saying, hey, this is how we could grow together. And then they're just ending the relationship because honestly, that's easier. It is easier to just like. Oh, it's easier just to dip, right? And, and yeah. Ghost and yeah. yeah. So I love that even for your own self, even if that person doesn't grow at all, for your own growth to express what you need. I really believe in doing that first. Oh, yeah. I love that you said that because that is really the responsible adult person. That's what they yeah, should do. Right, like, yeah. Take ownership. You have to communicate your side first. Yes. And then it's on their court. Yes. They're not changing or yes. evol evolving with you. Give them the opportunity. Exactly. Don't just predict that they can't change. Spell it what out for them. You don't want to give them an opportunity. What if you're like, mm -hmm. I'm already emotionally and mentally done with you? Do you think people should still try? It's a really good question. And I know we can get there. I think by the time you've gotten to that point, what I would recommend is stepping away for a bit. Separate for a little bit. Separate for a bit. See if you have any capacity at all to give feedback. Mm -hmm. And if you do, give feedback. And then if you don't, then there's your answer, I think. If you really are at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tough questions. I love it. Isn't it? <laughs> I also, I have another question. I'm just like really curious. I have another question about in my early 20s. And I have heard a lot about attachment. And I know that I'm insecure. I know that I'm like anxious. Okay. Um, I'm someone that needs a lot of messages from my partner. I need to. I need them to like call me all the time to like check on me. Yes. I need them to like go to a lot of places with me. Mm -hmm. um, what would be like the first couple of steps of trying to not be that person? I love this question. So I feel like with anxious attachment, I like to think of it as you have this reassurance bucket, right? It's like we all need reassurance but your bucket has holes in it. Mm. No matter how much reassurance your partner gives you, 
you're not internalizing it. It's not landing. So what do we do? One of the very first things I would want someone to do is learn how to self-soothe. It's so important. Can you give an example of self-soothing? Yeah. And even before self-soothing, it's like you have to learn how to go inwards, mm-hmm. right? You have to. So so this would look like um, setting a timer in your phone three times a day and you're checking in with yourself and you're saying, what do I feel what do I need in order to be supported? And you're just rebuilding that relationship with you, mm-hmm. like starting there. And then self-soothing is learning what you need in order to regulate your emotions. Mm-hmm. And that's so different for all of us, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like for me, it's a hot bath. Ooh. Like I know a hot oh, bath. bath at the end of the day. My, my new home purposely has this big, beautiful bathtub because oh. I lead it. Oh my God. What's your thing? What's yours like self-soothing thing that you think of? Masturbation. See? Yeah. And it's very self-soothing. That is. I feel I feel really close to myself. Like I feel yes. that self-intimacy. Yes. When I masturbate, I feel like I'm honoring my pleasure. I feel reset in terms of energy as well. Like I have more energy afterwards. Um, I feel like I'm yeah, I think the the biggest thing is I feel like I'm honoring my pleasure, which is a big part of my self-esteem. I love that. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm a highly sexual person. And yes. I think neglecting myself by not self-pleasuring turns into me not loving myself as much. I think there's so much out there like with that not being okay for women. So I specifically love that you're a woman and you're sharing that. It's so empowering. Yeah. Women need to know this. I know. Girl, yeah. masturbate. Yeah. I mean, you can combine the two and that's really like... There you go. The, <laughs> the combination 12, please. Uh, <laughs> the bath and the masturbation. Okay. Yes. I feel like that's mega self-soothing. There, there we go. There we yeah. go. And what I love about self-soothing is you have to say, I love myself enough that I'm going to experiment with what is right for me. I'm going to take the time to learn what do I need in order to self-soothe? Because a lot of us at some point lost track of that. We filled up our lives with everything else and we don't even know, right? So, and then once you know, you should always have that available to you. It needs to be in your toolkit, whether it's, you know, taking a bath, going on a walk, you know, a, a journal, masturbation, whatever it is, like you need to know those things ahead of time so that they're available to you when you need them. So that's what I would start with anxious attached is get really good at self-soothing. And then the other thing they really need is to slow down in the relationship building zone. So, you know, I always say like, yeah, like you're going 75 and the 35 with anxious attachment. You know, you go on that first date and maybe you're spending four hours together on the first date. And just you expect that every time. Right. You're like over investing. I always think like with anxious attachment, they need to slow down enough so that they're building a secure attachment that supports the investment. What happens is they're building a house of cards with anxious attachment, right? It's like there's not that strong foundation. So you have to slow down, be a love scientist, gather the data, and then learn is this relationship worthy of my investment? Mm -hmm. Has this person earned my vulnerability? Mm -hmm. Self-soothing, you know, making yourself feel good 
and not relying on other people mm-hmm. all the time, it built a much more solid like sense of self-esteem. Yes. Like your self-worth and that you're proud of yourself and that you can be with yourself and your own thoughts. I think it's very empowering. Well, remember when I was in my 20s, I had a period of time where I think all my friends joke about this. I went from one relationship to another, to another, to another, and I was never single. Hmm. And uh, because I was pretty, I was pretty anxious. I would say I was, what is it called? Ambivalent, where you're like a little anxious, a little dismissive. Yeah, disorganized attachment or fearful avoidant, either way. Fearful avoidant, yeah. Because yeah. like there'll be moments where I'm like, oh, like text me eight times a day. Yeah. And then there'll be moments where I'm like, give me space. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I went through that as well. Yeah. What was it like for you? Yeah, in my 20s, it was a lot of um, really wanting closest, really wanting a relationship, jumping from person to person for sure. And then at the same time, like, you know, I call it like my bad bitch phase like bad <laughs> bad bitch energy of like yeah. I don't need anyone get out of here uh-huh. you know I'm going to Cabo with my girlfriends don't talk to me like uh-huh. so a lot of yeah swinging mm. between those extremes very chaotic Why is it so much more common that people in their 20s are not securely attached well you know I think it's it's interesting right it's like there's a lot going on developmentally in our 20s we're learning a lot about ourselves Um, and you know what? I do think there are securely attached folks in their twenties. They're probably just not dating as much. Mm. I think they're a little bit more probably focused on themselves or their careers. Interesting claim. That would be my hypothesis. Wow. This makes me want to do a research study. Yeah, we should do it together. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, my university will appreciate that. I'm on sabbatical right now. Yeah. And I feel like my boss is thinking like, are you even working? <laughs> you are. You are. Yeah. Um, well, I want to ask you something too. I was really curious about sex in early stages of dating because I get this question so much. How do you approach that with people when they're like, oh, well, when is the right time to have sex? Mm -hmm. Love that question because we all experience that at some point in our lives, right? Um, I have to share the two school of thoughts that are out there in sexuality studies when it comes to having sex in dating. The first school of thought is the sexual restraint model. And uh, if you subscribe to the sexual restraint model, you're someone who's like, oh, I want to date as long as possible and build emotional intimacy with this person. And when I feel emotionally safe, then I want to initiate sex with this person. Mm -hmm. So if you're dating a person like this, it will take a while before they initiate sex or talk about sex with you. On the other hand, the other school of thought, if you subscribe to that, it's called sexual compatibility model. People who subscribe to this school of thought are the people that have sex on like the first date or second Mm. date or just like early on in dating because these are the people that value sexual intimacy as their like top three in partnerships. Mm. And they care so much about sex and how good the sex would be with the person. They use, you know, 
sexual compatibility as one of like the top markers in determining if this is the right relationship for me. So if you subscribe to this school of thought, you're more likely to initiate sex early in dating. Could be after the first date, second date, maybe third, but I don't think it goes longer than that. Wow, this is so fascinating to me. Isn't it? Yeah, of course I start thinking about attachment theory. Oh yeah, we should like we should see how it works together because <laughs> I only learned this part and I know that this particular topic is a point of tension for a lot of people. Um, I know women who feel like the guys they're dating just want to have sex when in fact they could just subscribe to the sexual compatibility model. They want to know right away. And it's not like I'm using your body. It's like I want to know if we're good together. It's very interesting because I do think with anxious attachment and avoidant attachment, you get those two together. And if you're in the compatibility model, that can lead to some some really difficult experiences for people. Yeah, I see. So with secure attachment, I think you could really choose either one of these models and yeah. feel pretty good. Yeah. But I just think about how your attachment style might make you vulnerable to struggle yeah. with the compatibility model. It's just a thought. God, that's true. Let's think about it. So let's say we're, we're going on a date. Okay. Okay. And I'm, let's say I'm a little dismissive. Yes. And, uh, and I'll be the anxious one. Yeah, and you're anxious. Okay. And let's say I'm dismissive and I also subscribe to compatibility model. I want us to like mm-hmm. have sex on a second date, mm-hmm. right? Like first date, fun, like lovely, you know, there's a vibe there. Maybe we did a little kiss. And then the second date, I'm like, hey, come over to my place. Right. Yeah. And with the intention of like, let's get it on. Yeah. How would you feel as an anxious attached person? So I think what happens is there's that fear of abandonment. I don't want you to break up with me. Mm-hmm. I want I want to see where this could go. Maybe I've already thought, ooh, this could be the one. We might be getting married and having babies. Oh. So I've already gone there in my head. So I might— By just like me, like trying to have sex with you. Yeah, so then I'm like, oh. of course I will. So I'm making the decision— Based off, I don't want to be abandoned. I want you to like me. I don't want you to break up with me. And I might have already thought like, ooh, this is so good. This could be the one. Oh, So I'm wow. making the decision not oh, based what? in reality. Oh, my gosh. That's so fascinating. So, okay, so then on the other hand, let's <laughs> say like, so I'm I'm dismissive. Um, let's say we have sex. Right. And like, I didn't feel it. Like, we don't have good sexual chemistry. So I'm going to try to, like, hey, listen, like, this doesn't work out. Right. Do you think there is, like, a good probability of this relationship working really well? Or you think it's, like, too hard? Oh, gosh. I think with that, if I I do have anxious attachment, I'm going to really internalize it as rejection. Mm. I'm going to really think— it's your fault? Yeah. Like, I'm not worthy. Not yeah, desirable. I'm going to think like, oh, my gosh, I'm not good enough. Like, they just, you know, maybe they didn't like my body or, you know, I'm just going to really think Even like, though it's just about chemistry. Like, yeah. oh, I just didn't have sexual chemistry. Yeah. And then and then I'll probably paint you as a villain and I'll say like, oh, they just wanted me for my body. Damn. This is what we run into. Yeah, this is this the modern. Is the real world. <laughs> this this happens literally every day. Oh, yeah. This particular scenario. Oh, yeah. It does. And see... If we rewind, 
And we go back to, okay, when the invitation for sex came up, if the anxiously attached person would say, hey, I need to feel a little bit more emotionally safe with you first. Like, I need to get to know you a little bit more. Like, slow it down just a little bit. And then the other person could say, well, I'm not really, that's not what I'm looking for. Yeah. Or they could compromise and say, yeah, like, let's get to know each other more. Mm. Right? Like, that's a different route that a lot of people, they're just not communicating enough to choose that healthier route. Yeah, 100%. I feel like we just solved so many people's dating issues. You're welcome, everyone. You're welcome, everybody. Communicate <laughs> your desires. Communicate what you're thinking about and see if you can compromise. See if it's, you can. I feel like ultimately life and relationship is communication and compromise. It is. Like It is. You know, it's… Yeah. And even thinking about sex, it's like, okay, for so many of us, that's like… Sex and money, right? Like those are some of the hardest things for us. Sex and money. Yeah, the (laughs) hardest things for us to communicate about. But my goodness, how empowering when you can communicate about sex because then you can talk about anything basically, right? I feel like I'm a free woman and I feel super liberated and I'm able to be myself and be playful and just say whatever I want uh, because I've worked on my sexual self-esteem. Yes. Yeah. I think that contributes to a lot of like my vibe. and. Yes. Yes. I love it. It's it's just all connected, isn't it? It is. It really, it is. I feel like I've learned in school, but I want to ask you again because it's a long time ago and I feel like research changes all the time. Um, I've learned that a lot of your attachment mm-hmm. comes from childhood and your parents. So... Is it bad to hypothesize that people who are a product of divorced parents and like, let's say, tumultuously divorced parents Mm. have attachment issues? Uh, It's it would definitely be accurate based on research that you would be more vulnerable to develop insecure attachment style. Yeah. Anxious, avoidant or disorganized. Yeah. Because of the. Um, unstable yes. parents when you were young. Yes. Just the the instability and even just the model for a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, okay, if there's conflict, then the relationship ends. So then your brain's taking that in as, wow, we don't work through things. Yeah. Peace out. Peace out. So... Yeah. And then new research too says your early romantic experiences have a huge impact as well on your attachment style, which I don't know about you, but my very first boyfriend was dating someone else the entire time. Fuck. And I was like 16 and we, he like proposed to both of us in like the same week. So yeah, you know, I mean, those early dating experiences also can have a huge impact. Because people could have amazing childhoods, securely attached parents, but if your first early romantic experience was tough, you might develop an insecure attachment style. Oh my gosh. I think that that's extremely accurate. Uh, I have not heard of this research. And now that I think about my first, I would say my first like real romantic experience, because before that I like had sex with other people, but it wasn't like a real romantic romantic relationship where we're like boyfriend, girlfriend. But with that first person, he abruptly ended things with me and I was devastated. I was so scrawny because I wasn't eating for weeks. 
Mm. My parents were really scared. I was so 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 sad, and uh, I remember after that guy, I was so anxious. But then, something happened along the line that made me more dismissive. I think it's perhaps because I was anxious, and then I started dating this guy who was even more anxious than me. Yes, and then he made me feel like I felt what's the word put off. By his like neediness, mm-hmm. and then I grew like more distant, more distant. Yes, like, that can oh happen. God. And I remember this is hella toxic. But I remember used to I used to tell him like, be a man, like, yeah, be a man, be secure mm. in yourself. Don't be needing me. Don't be clingy, and like that's toxic. I know that now, but you know what well, one can do when you when one's eighteen. <laughs> This is just such a really powerful example, though, of how those early experiences can really impact your attachment style. Okay, I have a big question. Okay, so on the show that I'm on right now, celebs go dating. There is a celebrity. His name is Adam Collard, and he's on Love Island. He used to, he was on Love Island twice. Okay, and he's always like finding love, and so we joke that he's a professional dater because he's always finding love. He's on Celebs Go Dating to like find love. Love it. Um, but his Reputation is that he's a fuckboy. Okay, what is going on with the attachment style here? Like he's dating people, having sex with a bunch of people, and then keep leaving them. Like he keeps leaving them. Mm-hmm. That would definitely point to either disorganized or avoidant mm-hmm. attachment style. What I see a lot with celebrities, and I, you know, he's a, a celebrity, right? Like there can be a lot of devaluing of others, not in like a toxic way necessarily, but putting yourself on a pedestal Mm -hmm. and almost saying, well, like this person was great, except she's blonde and I wanted a brunette or this person was great, except they live in Arkansas and I live in Tennessee. Like they'll find whatever they can to just kind of distance themselves from that person because the long-term intimacy doesn't feel safe. Emphasis on long-term, right? Like they're comfortable with the short term. And then um, I think I think what happens is they actually have a fear that they're not a good partner. Oh, like that's damn. the deep fear. Like I'm going to let you down. I actually don't want you to depend on me for long periods of time because I don't think I'm a good partner. Oh, wow. So they are uncertain about themselves yes as a partner and that's a lot of times the unconscious yeah. workings happening now we go into like a whole different <laughs> realm too. we're like getting freud over here like yeah. deep deep unconscious yeah could that be from because we now know from the show it's already out in the episode um could that be from when he was young he was like fat and bullied oh absolutely yes mm. yeah another thing there too could be if you only knew the real me then you'd reject me so let me reject you before you can reject me oh it's that pushing away right everyone who's experiencing that because i mean i guess at one point in my life i was kind of like that but then really it started to like work on myself yeah travel inward like you said it was a huge transformation 
this is at the core of so much of what we both do, which it comes down to really that self-love and self-acceptance, right? It's like if I fully accept myself, then I will open myself up to be loved by someone else. Yes. And then you have a positive model of yourself and others and you feel secure to explore. Yes. Same with sex. When you have self-love, self-respect, you communicate your desires, you have the kind of sex you want, you start having pleasure, you start having multiple orgasms. And here we go. Like, you know, now we're in the type of relationship that we most of us want to be in. And it starts with us. Absolutely. Okay. I want to ask you something. You've been asking me the best (laughs) question. So I know my audience would really want to know this, that if you are in, let's say, a long-term relationship over a year Mm -hmm. and maybe things just are kind of off in the bedroom, it's not like they're terrible, but you're just not really getting your needs met. You're feeling a little bit dissatisfied. Maybe it's not happening as frequently. Mm-hmm. What's your best tip for how to approach that conversation with a partner? The best tip is the shit sandwich. Yes. I love the <laughs> shit sandwich. I think that applies to any topic that's uncomfortable for people to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, not just sex, also money. Yes. So family planning. Yes. You know, there's a lot of topics that are hard to talk about. I think the shit sandwich applies. Yes. Um, and for those that need a, a little refresher, um, shit sandwich is like where you say something positive about this relationship, the situation yep. or whatever. So in this case, say something positive about your sex life with them. And then, you know, approach the the new idea that you want to try. The feedback. The Yeah, the feedback and the new idea that you want to try yes. as well. And then also end with another like appreciation or gratefulness of like their um, yeah. ability to listen and, and you know, be compassionate to what you want want to offer or want to try. So it can sound like um, you want to role play with Sure, me? let's okay. role play. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so first off, to the, a prerequisite is whenever you want to talk about sex, you don't want to ever talk about sex right before sex, during sex, or right after sex. Ooh, how many people do it right after? They do all the time. They do it all the time. Oh. It's a huge mistake. Okay. Because the brain is still in the state of like, we're in this sexual context. Yes. And you're telling me that you want to try something else. Doesn't mean that what we just did was bad. Mm. Doesn't mean I'm a bad lover. Mm. So then your brain Im- immediately goes to, I'm not good enough. Yep. And then it goes back to, you know, the attachment part. And now yes. you're feeling insecure. And so, no, 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 no. You cannot talk about sex near sex. Perfect. Right. So that's a prerequisite. Let's say we're over coffee. We're at, we're at coffee. You know, we've been dating. We live together. Let's go get coffee. We're now at a coffee shop. Um, I can go with, you know, like I, this is priming. Um, you know, I was, uh, listening to this podcast by Dr. Morgan, let's get vulnerable the other day. And uh, she had this lady on Dr. Tara, um, <laughs> and she was talking about yoni massages. Uh, have you ever heard of yoni massages? No. Yeah. So I, fascinating. I mean, I'm going to send you the link. Just like listen to. I will. I will. to work. But it's basically an extended period of time uh, of vulva massage. So like you massage my vulva and my vag. Oh, wow. Yeah. What do you think about that? Oh, like, um, like you want to try it? Yeah. I mean, 
obviously like I love the sex that we've been having, you know, like I feel like it, you're really good at eating me out. You're, you know, really good at kissing. Like, and I just, I feel like our sex life is good. Um, I also feel that it doesn't have to always be one thing. Like we can always evolve and try like new fun things like this yoni massage that I heard from Dr. Morgan's podcast. Oh, do you not like our sex then? I love our sex, but I think, um, and I mean, would you agree that for us to be together the next 30 years, we got to try something else. It's like we can't eat sushi all the time. Sometimes we want pasta. Yeah, I I definitely hear you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally down to try it for sure. Oh, thank you for like being receptive to, you know, what I'm asking you to do. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, I definitely, I care about you and I really do want us to have a good sex life forever. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) And I was trying to be a little difficult for you. Just a little bit. But it's the puppy eyes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she Um, got me. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're in a relationship that is loving, Mm-hmm. And you're not with a narcissist or, you know. Right, like, right. There's some prerequisites to sure. this kind of conversation. If you're in yes. like a normal, healthy. You're co-creating like, secure attachment. Yeah, you yeah. feel good. Yeah. yeah, but it's just that sex is slightly boring, which is so normal. I think we need to normalize that like yes. once you have sex with the same person and the same type of sex for a long time, it's just boring and it's okay. Yes, it's okay. It's okay. And you can yeah. work through it. I love I love when my partner um, like introduces something yeah like comes a new up with idea something. comes yeah. up with something like yeah oh wanna you know watch this squirting video and try new squirting technique I'm like yeah <laughs> yeah I yeah. think I think someone who's willing to put in the effort to like bring ideas it it then shows you they care about it it's the effort that's the key word Effort's yeah hot. effort is hot effort is sexy <laughs> effort is fuckable like effort is key it is it's, it's it so is. key and i think it's key to passion in long-term relationship it is um it's effort and i mean according to esther perel like some some type of separateness. Oh my gosh. I love you said this. One of my favorite quotes. I'm sure everyone on the show knows this quote, but it's the desire needs a bridge to cross. That's why so many people do end up not lasting long-term as they're developing these codependent dynamics. They're doing everything together. There's no distance. No, do not do everything together. No. Do you not. know what kills passion is when you spend every waking hour together. Yes. Like, how would you desire someone that you see 24-7? Yeah, you can't you desire You literally them. cannot. If they're on the couch next to you, there's no desiring them. No. Yeah. No, you desire, like, I mean, this is so elementary, but at the same time, when you are in a long-term relationship, you forget sometimes. Yes. But it's elementary. Like, you want the things you haven't had. Right. You know, and you, need, uh, yeah. you can create the sense of that within the monogamous long-term relationship. Yes. I'm not in a monogamous relationship. I'm in a monogamish marriage. Yes. So that's yes. different. And we invite other types of play. So for me, it's like I'm always desiring my partner, especially seeing that other people desire him. 
Oh, that makes that's a, a lot whole of sense. different yes. topic, you know. Like I talk about being in a monogamous marriage, and you know, there's always like immediately two camps of people. Like the first camp is interested, and the second camp is like that's immoral or like that's mm. you know you know they, they yeah. go to like that moral superiority. Well, this judgment. sounds like another episode. We could do a whole long episode yeah. on it. I think we yeah. should at some point. I actually um, just was on the Sun. It's like oh the yeah, UK's new sure. UK, UK's newspaper. Um, it was like a huge feature, like middle two amazing. pages about how like monogamous could be the future. That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Well, yeah, we should do another episode on it at some point totally. for sure. It deserves okay. its own episode. For um, like, let's say for my last question for you, let's say if I was to go through Actually, I'm just going to use this example from one of my long time ago clients. Um, let's say if my husband cheated on me, mm. you know, but we have a kid and we have a lovely li living situation and I love him so much and I want to forgive him. But I just feel so scared all the time yeah, being with him. Right. I'm scared when he goes on work trips. Um, what do I do? Oh, I love this question. You have to both want to repair. So that's the first the first thing. Both people have to want to repair the relationship. There's been a rupture in the attachment. Mm -hmm. So you have to want to repair it. And then there has to be the conversation of what is needed for the repair. And I think people surprise themselves on what it is that they need, right? So sometimes with cheating, it's that you know, what I need is that you would actually tell our friend group that you did this. I can't be alone in this anymore. Mm -hmm. I need people in our friend group to know that this happened, right? Mm -hmm. You wouldn't intuitively think that that's what's needed, but that's the beauty of like really tuning in and saying, what is needed for the repair? Mm -hmm. And then you have to do the repair mm -hmm. and what work to What would be build the reason why someone would want their friends to know? Well, I say that one because that's actually happened. Um, and I think they, I think a reason could be just that um, they, they would just want to not feel alone in it. Mm. And that yeah, that's what they needed. Support. They needed the support. They needed people in their friend group to know that this happened. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's like, People think like, oh, you know, if you cheated, then I'm going to go cheat or I don't know. They come revenge, up with infidelity. revenge, infidelity, yeah. but it's like actually just slow down and tune in and say what is needed to repair. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's times where repair is not possible, um, but you have to tune in and try. Is there like a clear sign when repair is impossible? When, when nobody wants to have conversations about what would repair look like, mm. if the effort's not there to or work on it. Or what if they it. just like sweep it under the rug? Yeah, like, if, oh, they're, we're fine now. if they're defensive, like, if they're like, later. why are you not over this, right? If they're not willing to have the conversations, absolutely. Mm. We always have the best conversations. I love this so much. Um, I do want to ask you one more thing. This is just kind of like a fun question, but what are you most excited about right now in your life? In my life? Yes. Um, I think normalizing sex positivity in mass media oh, is what so I'm good. most excited about because I think it's time. I think the sex positive movement is very much like growing and rolling and uh, there's a lot of support. There's a lot of excitement um, and a lot of just people wanting to be a part of this life. 
like yeah. the sex positive life. And yeah. I feel it. I hear it. I know it. So my goal is to put myself out there as much as possible and try to you know, have opportunities like the Celebs Go Dating show. Like yes. I'm the resident sex expert on that show and I'm able to talk about sex like nonstop, which I love. So that would be something I'm most excited about. Can I ask the same thing? Yeah, for me, um, I think I am also excited about attachment theory. I'm always excited about attachment theory. More and more people learning about it. Um, I had my book come out, Love Magnet. Um, and just the reviews coming in from that. I mean, I, I get so excited about people like really being willing to look at themselves and yeah. say, okay, I'm going to do the work and helping provide them that framework to do it. Yeah. That Can just really likes me you share up. the aspects of this book? Yeah, it's all about understanding your attachment style, releasing your past. So we do some deep work on just releasing your past relationships and then really giving you a blueprint for embodying the securely attached version of yourself of like, hey, here's what you need to do to show up this way. So it's everything I wish I had in my 20s. Basically. Oh, I love that. And my Love Bites fam, everyone that's listening, you must get this book. <laughs> Even if you think you have a secure attachment style, I think you can still benefit oh, yeah. from reading about this. And also, I think it will give you tools to like help your partner yes. be more secure as well. Oh, and there is a big section on communication and teaching people how to use dialogue. Nice. So the practice of healthy communication between yes. partners. So yeah, I, I love that that's out in the world. Um, and then the podcast, of course, the yes. Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. And this has been so fun. I know we could talk so for fun. We could for talk days. forever. Yeah, <laughs> we really could. Um, amazing to be in person with you and yeah. feel your energy. I know you do so much for your community. Please tell everybody how they can connect with you. My social media is on my website. My TV show is on my website. So you can just go to my website and that's lovebites.co, L-U-V-B-I-T-E-S dot C-O. What about you? Where can everyone find Dr. Morgan? <laughs> yes. So I'm on Instagram at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And then also my podcast, Let's Get Vulnerable, anywhere podcasts are aired. Those are the two places I hang out the most. Love that. So. I always forget to talk about my podcast. Yes. My podcast, Love Bites by Dr. Tom. There we go. For exploration. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was such a joy. Thank you so much Thank for this you. conversation. High five. High five. Yeah. All right. And to the audience, I always say this, we're wishing you high self-worth yes and great relationships and we'll throw in great sex as well yes and an <laughs> orgasmic day and an orgasmic day all right thank you so much bye. bye do you want to become sexually powerful if the answer is yes go to lovebites.co and check out 30 days to my best sexy self a sexual mindfulness journal. This ebook will change your life. In this sexual mindfulness journal, I offer the tried and true methods to become more sexually confident. It's for everyone who wants to have the best sex life possible. Thanks for listening. This was, this was Love Bites. Love Bites. By Dr. Tara. Follow Dr. Tara on social media at lovebites.co. Have an orgasmic day.